0: Chapter 6. Politics. A new journey begins, rubbing shoulders with the political stalwarts, sporting my super white kurta pajama. August 15, 1947. A memorable day in the history of India. I was about 8 years old at that time. The radio was the only means of communication where I lived. My father had bought a second-hand radio and we all listened to the news of celebrations of India becoming independent. People were hugging each other and distributing sweets. There was unbridled excitement. Colourful buntings were displayed and the rooftops were splendid with Indian flag. I was fortunate to listen to inspiring commentators during the celebration event and the unforgettable words of Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru, our first Prime Minister, who declared India's independence. With that, many hopes and dreams were launched. I feel fortunate to be a part of the generation that witnessed the emotional transformation of the history of our country. Our generation was lucky to see the time in history that witnessed a new beacon of light a free India with the potential to chart her own destiny and fulfill the aspirations of her people. Looking back to that day, I think that in the far recesses of my mind, a seed was sown That one day, I would be a part of something bigger. My early association with politics began when I went to Bangalore. To pursue my CA course, my friend Abdul Samad, whom I met when I came to Bangalore, was from Ramnagaram, which is about 50 kilometers from Bangalore. He belonged to an influential family. His elder brother was the president of the Ramnagaram municipality, while his father, Mr. Abdul Karim, was close to many politicians at that time. A number of politicians used to visit Mr. Samad's house, and I came to know them through him. It so happened that a cooperative society called the Karnataka Silk Marketing Society was established for the benefit of silk reelers, and it was in bad shape financially. Mr. Samad was persuaded to contest the elections of the society and set right the management of the society. With the help of the government nominated director, Mr. Samad became the president of the society. He requested me to help him in setting right the financially weak society and appointed me as its uh, internal auditor. Within a short time, we were able to detect the frauds that had taken place in the society and made the society which had been making losses earn profits. My association with Mr. Samad in the Silk Marketing Society gave me good exposure and also enabled me to meet many political personalities. Mr. M.C. Basappa, who was the General Secretary of the Undivided Pradesh Congress and a powerful politician, became a good friend of mine. And Mr. Samad, through him, we developed many good contacts with several political leaders of that time. Mr. Devrageras, who was the sericulture Minister in Mr. Virendra Patil's government, was also close to Mr. Samad. The historic AICC session in Lalbagh, the All India Congress Committee, AICC, held a session in Lalbagh in Bangalore in 1969. It was a historic session and paved the way for the split of the Congress party. Mr. Nigel was the leader of the syndicate group consisting of Kamraj Nadar, S.K. Patil, Atulia Ghosh and Murarji Desai. Mrs. Indra Gandhi was supported by a younger group called the Young Turks in the party consisting of Chandrasekhar, Krishnakant and Dharia. In Bangalore session, the syndicate group who were virtually ruling the country proposed Mr. Neelam Sanjeev Reddy as candidate for the post of President of India. The vacancy caused by the demise of uh, Dr. Zakir Hussain, Mrs. Indra Gandhi and her supporters opposed the presidential candidate and left the ICC session in Bangalore and flew to Delhi and announced Mr. V. V. Giri, the then Vice President of India, as the presidential candidate. This led to the expulsion of Mrs. Indira Gandhi from Congress Party by Mr. Nijalingappa. Then Mrs. Indira Gandhi called a parallel AICC session in Mumbai in 1969, same year, and expelled all the senior leaders who had expelled her. Thus, the Congress Party was split. The group led by Mr. Nijalingappa was called the Congress O, O standing for organization, and the group supported by Mrs. Indira Gandhi was called Congress R are standing for ruling. In the Bombay AICC session, Mr. Dev Rajas was first appointed as the convener of Congress R in Karnataka and later President of Congress R in Karnataka. Mr. Dev Rajas started functioning as a convener from his house itself. Mr. Samad and I began to visit Mr. Dev Rajas frequently and he used to take my assistance to maintain the accounts of the new party. Mr. Dev Rajas struggled to build the new Congress party as the government in Karnataka was led by the Congress O, the other fraction of the Congress headed by Mr. Virendra Patil. Subsequent events slowly turned in favour of Mrs. Indra Gandhi following the Bangladesh Liberation War, bank nationalisation and the abolition of private purses. Mrs. Indra Gandhi emerged as the most powerful leader of the country. There was an exodus of people to the Congress R from the Congress O in Karnataka and the government headed by Mr. Virendra Patil fell. In 1972, Dev Rajas appointed me as the auditor of the Congress party. In the same year, 1972, elections took place in Karnataka for the Karnataka Assembly. My friend Mr. Samad was given a ticket to contest from Ramnagaram constituency. Congress R, headed by Mr. Dev Rajas, won the election with a thumping majority. But, however, my friend Samad lost the election. C.K. Jafar Sharif, who was from Chitradurga, and active in the Youth Congress, got a ticket to contest for the Lok Sabha elections from the Kanakpura constituency. He was a relatively unknown person in the constituency, but Mrs. Gandhi's wave was very strong, because of which he won the election by a huge margin. My association with Jafar Sharif was after he became a Member of Parliament. Slowly, Mr. Jafar Sharif became close to both me and Samad. As an emerging parliamentarian, he used to discuss with us the various issues of the Muslim community and other socio-economic issues. Two ministers who were inducted into Mr. Devraj's cabinet, Mr. Aziz Sayed and Mr. S.M. Yahya, were also close to me. Although I was actively associated with Congress and congressmen, I never thought I would jump into active politics or seek some political post. When emergency was imposed by Mrs. Indira Gandhi in 1975, many people welcomed it because in the beginning, ministers and bureaucrats became disciplined. But soon, the emergency powers were misused by certain people. In retrospect, the opposition leaders were jailed and the government lost control. Although the Congress and Mrs. Indira Gandhi lost the national elections in 1977, Mr. Devarajers became very powerful and the Congress I was back to power in 1978 in Karnataka. Emergency was imposed in strange circumstances where everything was going well and Mrs. Gandhi had emerged as a charismatic leader. The judgment of the Alabad High Court, unseating her on flimsy grounds, shook the entire country. Simultaneously, before the High Court judgment, the opposition parties led by Mr. Prakash Narayan and their agitation against the Congress had reached its peak. In this scenario, when Mrs. Gandhi was unseated by the Allahabad High Court, the Congress party was in turmoil. At that stage, nobody in the Congress could think of replacing Mrs. Indira Gandhi, even temporarily. Some experts advised Mrs. Indira Gandhi to impose internal emergency in the country temporarily because of the agitation from the opposition parties and internal disturbances. Mr. Siddharth Shankar Rai, a legal luminary and Chief Minister of West Bengal and some others advised Mrs. Indira Gandhi to impose emergency. Emergency was imposed and the freedom of the press was curtailed. The public was enraged with the Congress. When the emergency was lifted and elections were conducted, in 1977, the Congress and Mrs. Indra Gandhi lost the elections. The Janta Party came to power. Next year, in 1978 elections to the Karnataka Assembly, again, my friend Samad contested from Ram and this time he won. In the same election, Mr. Jafar Sharif asked me to contest from Binni constituency and I even filled my nomination. But later on, the party gave the seat to Mr. Salappa, a Dalit leader. In fact, I was happy. <laughs> I was happy that I did not contest the elections because I could not afford to. I didn't have the resources. In May 1978, elections were to take place for the Karnataka Legislative Council. The process for selecting the Legislative Council candidates was on. The Congress Executive Committee met to select the candidates. In the meeting, it was decided that out of seven seats one should be given to a muslim mr devrajas suggested the name of mrs begum shah to contest for the council jafar sharif and aziz said disagreed with this as uh, mrs begum shah was not popular in the community when devrajas asked them asked them to give other names jafar sharif and aziz said suggested my name as I was already in various organizations serving the Muslim community. Devarajars suggested the name of Mr. Moinuddin. It was decided in the executive committee of the Congress that both the names, that is my name and Mr. Moinuddin's name, should be sent to the Congress High Command and that it should be left to the High Command to take the decision. But Devarajars did not send both the names to the Congress High Command and recommended Mrs. Begum Shah's name. After the executive committee meeting, Jafar Sharif telephoned me to say that they had suggested my name for the legislative council and said I should meet Mr. Dev Rajars as I knew him well. Till I got this call from Jafar Sharif, I was not aware that Mr. Aziz said and he had suggested my name as I had never made a request to both of them for recommending my name to the legislative council. I could not meet Dev Rajars that day as he had left Bangalore. The next day, Aziz said "Telephoned me and Jafar Sharif to inform that, despite the executive committee's resolutions, Devarajas had not sent the two names as discussed in the executive committee and that he had only sent the name of Mrs. Begum Shah. Mr. Jafar Sharif spoke to Mrs. Indra Gandhi and apprised her of the decision of the executive committee. Jafar Sharif, my friend Samad and I, on our way back to Jafar Sharif's house, met Mr. F.M. Khan who was very close to Mrs. Indra Gandhi. When we met FM Khan, we apprised him of the developments and he offered to telephone Mrs. Indra Gandhi in our presence. Yes, he did. FM Khan telephoned Indra Gandhi and informed her about the decision of the executive committee. Indra Gandhi informed him that the candidature of Mrs. Begum Shah had been recommended by the Central Muslim Association. FM Khan told her that it wasn't true CMA, the Central Muslim Association, had not recommended her name while speaking to Mrs. Indra Gandhi. FM Khan said that uh, Samad was the president of uh, CMA and he was present right there. She could speak to him if needed and confirm the matter. So, having said that, FM Khan gave the phone to Samad who reiterated to Indra Gandhi that CMA had not recommended Mrs. Begum Shah's name. Instead, it had recommended my name. K. Raman Khan, the same name was suggested by the executive committee and I was the vice president of CMA, also a qualified chartered accountant. After this interaction over the phone, Indira Gandhi approved my name. But Mr. Devrajers protested and did not announce my name which was approved by the high command. There were some tensions between Indira Gandhi and Devrajers. Mrs. Gandhi insisted that my name was selected by the high command as an official candidate. Both Mrs. Begum Shah and I filed our nominations. The high command was adamant that Mr. Devarajars asked Begum Shah to withdraw her nomination. Mrs. Gandhi sent Dr. Shankar Dayal Sharma, who later became the President of India, to be an observer for the Legislative Council elections. Devarajars fully supported me once I was declared the official candidate in the election. And I got elected. This was my first encounter with politics destiny had strange ways. Man will not know what is his destiny and what happens in the next moment. Here is a classic example of this. A person who had never even thought of becoming an MLC, who never knocked the doors of leaders for lobbying, had these opportunities knocking at his door. I was the first Muslim chartered accountant in Karnataka to join the legislature. Mrs. Gandhi had written letters to all the chief ministers pointing out that, While nominating candidates for upper house of the legislature, certain professionals with talent should be brought in so that the state could benefit from their knowledge and expertise. Being in legislature was a new experience for me. It took some time for me to understand the intricacies of the role of a legislator. At that time, I never knew that I would have to almost spend 40 years of my future life as a legislator and a parliamentarian. Immediately after I became an MLC, an important event took place in Karnataka and that was the election of Mrs. Indra Gandhi from Chikmagalur. As a young member of the Karnataka Legislative Council, I actively took part in the campaign which attracted considerable attention. The election in 1978 was a historic one. The Janta Party had fielded Mr. Virendra Patil who was also the Chief Minister of Karnataka against Mrs. Indra Gandhi. This election attracted international attention and Chikmagalur became world famous for it. It was like a festival with Congress workers from entire country converging to campaign and all the top leadership from the Congress was present. As a new legislator, I was also involved in the campaign and during this election, I met several national leaders including Mrs. Morsina Kidwai, Mrs. Indira Gandhi herself. It was a by-election. Indira Gandhi won this by-election with a thumping majority and she was back to Lok Sabha. The very next year, serious differences developed between Indira Gandhi and Urs, which led to Urs splitting the Congress in Karnataka and forming his own party, Karnataka Congress Party, KCP, and taking away Almost all the MLA's and MLC's of the Congress except a just few of us to his party. In Karnataka, all the Muslim legislators except me deserted the Congress party and went over to the Karnataka Congress party along with Mr. Set and Yahya who were two ministers in Devarajal's cabinet. I was the only Muslim legislator who remained with the Congress. The Congress party in Karnataka was reduced to only 14 MLA's and MLC's. Mr. Bangarappa was appointed as the President of the party and Mr. Veerappa Moily, Mr. Dharam Singh and I were the General Secretaries. Thus, 14 MLA's and MLC's under the leadership of Mr. Gundurao and Mr. Bangarappa tried to rebuild the deserted Congress in 1979. Slowly, as indications grew that uh, Mrs. Indira Gandhi might be coming back to power, MLAs who had deserted the party started coming back. In the parliamentary elections of 1980, Mrs. Indira Gandhi re and became Prime Minister of India. Devraj's government fell and all the MLAs who once deserted the Congress returned to the party. And again, Congress government was formed in Karnataka under the leadership of Mr. Gundurao. My friend A.K. Abdul Samad also had gone with Rajas. I persuaded him to come back to the party. He did so much against the will of his family. When the new cabinet in Karnataka was formed under Mr. gundurav's government, a question was raised as to who should be a minister from the Muslim community. FM Khan suggested name of CM Ibrahim, who had been elected from Janta Party and later joined Congress. Mr. Jafar Sharif recommended the name of Samad. Although Samad was my close friend, I was not happy that uh, Jafar Sharif had put up Samad's name because uh, he had deserted the Congress party. I was the only loyalist of the party among Muslim legislators and on principle, I should have been the first preference for the cabinet post. I expressed my reservations to both Jafar Sharif and Samad so that uh, they should not mistake me. Thankfully, my expression of reservation uh, didn't create any differences between me and Samad and we worked together. In June 1982, The post of the chairman of uh, the Karnataka Legislative Council fell vacant. And Congress party, which had a majority in the council, had to fill the vacancy. Usually the Congress uh, would pick from the Congress MLCs a candidate who had two years left to complete his term. I was one of those who had completed four years as MLC and had two years left. I was qualified to be considered. Gundurao had uh, reservations about me because I was close to Jafar Sharif and by then Jafar Sharif and Gundurao had developed some serious differences at that time. Veerappa Moili was finance minister. Dharam Singh was also a minister. My friend Samad spoke to Gundurao and convinced him that I was the right person for the post. Mr. Gundurao agreed, and I was elected as the chairman of the Karnataka Legislative Council on 30th June 1982. Thus, I became the youngest chairman of the House of Elders at the age of 42 and the first Muslim in Karnataka to be a presiding officer of either houses of legislature which has a history of over a hundred years. In the beginning, I was a little nervous for two reasons. One is that, although I speak Kannada well, my abilities to conduct proceedings in Kannada were not up to the mark. Secondly, I was known in my family to lose temper very often. And here, I was in the presiding officer's post, where you need to have a great deal of patience and uh, cannot afford to lose your temper in a sometimes acrimonious house. But soon, I overcame both these weaknesses and earned the goodwill of all the members of the house. One significant change I brought about during my tenure as chairman of the legislative council was to restore the independence of the legislature. Our constitution requires that the state legislatures and Parliament should have independent secretaries as per the Article 178 of the Indian Constitution. But most of the legislature secretaries were virtually controlled by the state executive. Even in the Karnataka legislatures, historically, the Law Ministry or the Parliamentary Affairs Minister was controlling the legislature secretariat. When I became chairman of the Legislative Council, I came to know about this and I resisted this practice. I met the governor and informed him that a presiding officer cannot be made answerable to law minister and the parliamentary affairs minister. I insisted that the legislative secretariat shall be answerable only to the presiding officer and he shall be the appointing authority. I took up this issue with the chief minister of Karnataka also and parliamentary affairs minister. By the time I laid down my office as chairman of the legislative council, I handed all affairs with the help of a speaker of legislative assembly and finally made the The Karnataka legislature independent and brought it under the presiding officer. I had achieved my goal. The two years of my chairmanship were very significant. Although the presiding officer is a non-party man, basically I was from Congress. And in nineteen eighty-three. Congress lost the elections and Janta Party had formed the government in Karnataka. Under the leadership of uh, Mr. Krishna Hegde. in the upper house, Congress members were in majority and the ruling Janta Party had just a few members less than the number required for quorum. It was a difficult task for me to maintain and impartially handle the house with overall majority of the opposition party. I faced many instances where my impartiality was put to test. I recall one memorable instance when... Uh, when I upheld the dignity of the office of the chairman without succumbing to party pressure. In the first budget session of the new government in March 1983, the House had to pass an appropriation bill before 31st March. The legislative assembly had passed the appropriation bill for consideration of the council two days before the 31st of March. The Chief Minister, who was also the Finance Minister, had gone to Delhi. Taking advantage of the absence of the Chief Minister, the Congress party in the council tried to create a constitutional crisis by delaying the passage of the Appropriation Bill beyond 31st March, which would bring to a standstill the financial transactions of the entire state and though i was from the congress party which was in the opposition i did not succumb to the game of the opposition the party i was associated with wanted me to adjourn the house synadire without passing the appropriation bill i was firm that once the bill was taken for consideration it had to be passed or defeated but could not be deferred there was a considerable pressure and disturbance in the house by the congress party i was also from the congress party Still, I decided that at any cost, I would not adjourn the house. I had even prepared to name all the members of the Congress party in case they disturbed the house. I had called the Commissioner of Police to give us some forces in civil rest, as the legislative staff may not be sufficient if I had to remove all the Congress members from the house. Luckily, this did not take place. I continued the house till midnight and got the bill passed. My party was not happy with me. And... When the pressure was built on me, I told my party that it was party which had placed me into the chair that I was occupying and if the party was not happy, I was prepared to resign. But as long as I occupied the chair, I said I shall do my duty as required by the constitution of India. Some congress leaders were not happy and they complained to the congress high command about me, saying that I was not helpful to the party in the house. I was called by the party high command, was asked to meet the speaker of Lok Sabha. Dr. Balram Jhakar, I met Dr. Balram and explained him the situation in which I took the decision. Dr. Balram congratulated me for the bold action that I had taken and appreciated me for standing firm and protecting the dignity of the chair. When I laid down my office as chairman in June 30, 1984, glowing tributes were expressed by members, who, when I became chairman, were not sure of my competency. They said that I was one of the best chairmen the council had had thus far. Another incident which took place, which tested my loyalty to the party, was in January 1985. As he said, a minister in Ram Krishna Hegde's cabinet had resigned on certain issues. Mr. Hegde wanted to induct a Muslim in the cabinet to replace Mr. Seth. Hegde, with whom I had very good relations send some of his emissaries who are ministers in his cabinet to persuade me to join his cabinet. At that time, there was no disqualification of membership of the house if one changed one's party. The offer was tempting. Perhaps any young person like me would have jumped to accept it. But straight away, I refused the offer. I would not betray my party. Some people who came to know about this were not happy with me for rejecting the offer. But I didn't regret it. Later, much later, in one of his interviews, Mr. Ramkrishna Hegde said my refusal of his offer had increased his respect for me. Even after completing my first term in 1986, I remained an MLC because Mrs. Indra Gandhi again re-nominated me to the council. My second term in the council was also fascinating. During this term, several scams took place both in Ram Krishna hegre's ministry and uh, Mr. Bommai's ministry. Several charges were framed against various ministers by the opposition and debates were very interesting. I actively participated in sessions. Two decisions of the then Krishna Higadeh government became controversial and came handy to the opposition to charge the government. One was that uh, the government had invited a leading builder from Bombay Lokhanwala builders who were asked to develop a township in Bangalore, which is today the entire HSR layout. The opposition raised this issue and protested against giving the lease of the land to be developed to Lokhanwala builders. The opposition forced the government to drop this proposal and project. If timely action had not been taken, the entire HSR layout would have gone to a private builder. Similarly, a large chunk of property in Jayanagar was given on lease to be developed to Reva Jitu builders, in which the son in law of the then chief minister Ram Hegde was also involved. The Congress party in the opposition raised this issue and the lease got cancelled. Because of these two scandals, Ram Krishna Hegri had to resign as the Chief Minister of Karnataka. In 1988, Mr. Virendra Patil became the Congress Party President and I was one of the General Secretaries of the party. There was a general election in 1989 and the Congress fought this election under the leadership of uh, Virendra Patil. I was keen to contest the election from the Jamahal constituency which I had always nursed. But... Mr. Yahya, who used to always contest from Bhatkal, was not comfortable contesting from Bhatkal and wanted to move to Bangalore. He managed to get the ticket for Jai constituency, which I wanted to contest from. I was at the fag end of my second term in the Karnataka Legislative Council when the Congress again came to power in 1990. Mr. Virendra Patel became the Chief Minister. I didn't get the further renewal to my membership of the House. My term as MLC ended on June 30, 1990. After this, I continued as the General Secretary of the Congress Party in Karnataka and took an active part in enrolling members into the Congress. After completion of my term as MLC, I never thought about what my next role in politics might be. In 1993, Mr. Virappa Moily became the Chief Minister of Karnataka. He was a very good friend of mine. He wanted me in his cabinet. However, my term as MLC had expired. There was no vacancy in the upper house. Mr. Moily wanted to offer me the chairmanship of uh, the State Transport Corporation, KSRTC. I declined this offer because having worked as chairman of legislative council, I felt it would not be appropriate for me to accept chairmanship of a transport corporation. I told Virapa Moily that... uh, If he was keen that I should accept some chairmanship, he could make me the chairman of uh, the Karnataka State Minorities Commission. This would give me an opportunity to examine the socio-economic and educational conditions of the Muslim community and the other minorities in Karnataka. The commission was directly under the chief minister and was a totally independent body. Virapamuili graciously agreed and I became the chairman of the Karnataka State Minorities Commission with a cabinet rank. My experience as the chairman of the Karnataka State Minorities Commission. One of the reasons I took up the chairmanship of Karnataka State Minorities Commission was to make an assessment of the socio-economic and educational conditions of the minorities in Karnataka. That is uh, Muslims, Christians, Sikhs, Buddhists, Jains and Parsis. I requested the chief minister that the commission should be entrusted to take up a study of this issue. The chief minister agreed and provided a special budget of 60 lakh rupees for this survey. Conducting this survey was a challenging job for me. Back in that time, there was no data available about uh, the social, educational and economic status of religious minorities in Karnataka. Under Article 15 and 16 of the Constitution of India, if any section of the society or caste, remains backward and is unable to get equal opportunities the state has the right to take affirmative action to work towards uplifting those sections and provide employment opportunities through the route of reservations some of the minorities especially many among the muslims not only in karnataka but in the entire country felt that they needed reservations owing to their poor economic conditions. According to the Honorable Supreme Court, any affirmative action under the Article 15 and 16 should be supported by proper data, facts and figures. Sadly, no effort was made at all to collect this authentic data about the minorities. So... How could one demand any reservations? When Sri Vrappa Moily appointed me as the chairman of Karnataka State Minorities Commission, I requested him that commission should be given the power to conduct socio-economic survey of all the minorities in the state. Mr. Moily agreed to this suggestion and very kindly allocated a budget of 60 lakh rupees for the survey project to cover each and every household of 70 to 80 lakh minorities living in the state of Karnataka was a stup- task the karnataka state minorities commission took the services of the planning and statistics department of the government of Karnataka and followed the same methodology as followed by the census commission of India during the enumeration of census the government further notified that all deputy commissioners assistant commissioners and theil would be survey officers in their respective districts and the chief secretary of the state was designated as the survey commissioner nearly 20,000 teachers and the government workers were commissioned to collect the data from minority households. The format of the survey was based on the census enumeration format. We identified more than 60 questions covering the socio-economic and educational aspects of each family. The survey was done in about a month's time between 1st of February 1993 to the 1st of March 1993. The Karnataka State Minorities Commission, under my guidance and leadership, collected data of 1 million families, 10 lakh families which was later processed. Such a massive survey had never been conducted in the past. This survey, I must say, was unique and first of its kind in India itself. Based on the Commission's survey report on the backwardness of minorities, the Karnataka government, under the leadership of Mr. Virappa Moili, provided 6% reservation under the 2B category for Muslims and neo-Buddhist people. Later, under the direction of the Honorable Supreme Court, as the overall reservation should not exceed 50%, the decision on the 2B category was revised by the government And under 2B category, only Muslims were given reservations of 4%. I must acknowledge the role of Mr. Virappa Moily. History will remember him for his bold act to give justice Muslims in Karnataka by providing 4% reservation. Because of this, in over 24 years since then, thousands of Muslims from very poor families have got the opportunity to seek employment in the government services and educational institutions too. Should be grateful for this great step by Mr. Virappa Moili. I got only one year term as the chairman of Karnataka Minorities Commission while I was working on this survey project. I had to lay down office as its chairman because I was nominated to the Rajya Sabha as the member of parliament but somehow God helped me to complete the survey report task within a year and I was happy that I was able to contribute to this path-breaking report On the minorities. The report formed the basis for the appointment of Justice Sachar Committee by the Government of India, and most of the survey facts and figures have been mentioned in Sachar Committee's report.